Let's ask the Lord to help us one more time here, God. Continue what you started in this place, God. Let there be confirmation. Let there be, let there be a resolution in, in, in your people's lives today. Let them leave this place with a made-up mind, God, fixed and firm in the direction that they're headed. Knowing, oh God, that you have us where we need to be in this hour. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence and your anointing. God, we ask that you minister in a special way in the remainder of this service as we wait upon you to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord thy God, he is God. Let us establish this first. The God that we serve is the only God. He's the only God. Well, how do I know for sure? Because there are so many of them out there that think that their God is the only God. Oh, but they haven't experienced Him the way that we have. And we have His words to to validate our experience. We don't go just on experience alone. We don't go on the goosebumps alone. We, we, we validate our experience by His Word. Because His Word is settled. He is God. And we serve the only God. If you don't believe that He is God, then you won't believe His Word. Or His promises. If you don't believe He is God, then you won't see that He is the faithful God. If you don't believe that he is God, then you won't see that he is the faithful God. Come on, everybody say the faithful God. That's who we serve. We serve the faithful God. And our life is a testimony of his faithfulness. You're here today because you know the faithful God. You're here today because you've had an encounter, an experience that we can look into the book and see the truth. God is trustworthy. Anybody needs some, a voice of, of, of trustworthiness in your life today? Are you tired of the deceit? And the lies of the enemy. And you're, you're tired of the voices that, that always seem to be, uh, they always seem to contradict themselves. He is the voice of truth. He is a trustworthy voice. And when he speaks, it's a word that we can rely on. He is reliable. He is steadfast. He is is constant. And one thing is for sure. He is permanent. This world is temporary. The, The things that we experience in this world are temporary. This chair is temporary. It will get old and it will lose its shape and it will not be useful and it, it, it will become irrelevant. It won't, it, won't, it won't hold its purpose forever. But one thing we've got is a God who is faithful and He is permanent. He is forever. There is no beginning or there's no end. The faithful God. 
which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations. We're still here. He's not just a faithful God. He is, he is also one who observes. He is one who observes. And he is one who keeps. Anybody ever, anybody in this place, I know my wife has, that has lived for the Lord all your life and you never walked away. By the show of your hands, lift your hands. If you've lived for Him all your life and you never backslid, never went anywhere, never left the church, maybe you weren't always there where you needed to be, but you never gave up and you never stopped because the Lord doesn't, doesn't judge us based on our, our, our down sittings and our uprisings. He, he doesn't look at us in our faults and failures and say you're backslidden. A backslidden state is somebody who walks away and gives up. Somebody who gives up. So we got some, we have some testimonies here today of, of how God is able to keep because that is what he does. That's what he wants. The faithful God not only is faithful in everything that his, his intention is to keep. To keep. He is a guard. He is the watchman. He watches. He watches us because he wants to keep us. He wants to keep us. Why does he observe and watch us? Because he wants to keep us. Because of his covenant. Everybody say his covenant. His covenant. He watches us and operates in ways that bring us back to this covenant relationship where there is mercy. Because people on the outside of the covenant are miserable. You know how I know? Because I've been there. I know Brother Plowman, you mentioned something earlier about, about uh, uh, you know, backsliding is not fun. You know, there is pleasure for a season. But you forget about that season when misery sets in. When you're, just, when you're just miserable. And I'm getting somewhere with this. I, just hang on for a moment. There are things in our world, in our life, that really come at us to try to get us to step away. To step into Moab, Brother Plowman. To go into a, a, a place because it appears that the grass is greener on the other side. But you don't see the addiction. You don't see the addiction. The drugs and the pleasure and the money and the things of the world. The, the addictions that are in the world. It's a trap. The grass is not greener. Oh, the grass is dead. Not everything that's dressed a certain way has life. It's a facade. 
You step into the green grass only to find out it's artificial. It's not even grass. It's not even alive. It's not real. And I'm standing in the midst of addiction. I'm standing in the midst of bondage. And and I don't know how I got here. Addiction, drugs, pleasure, money leads to emptiness. It leads to that, to that massive hole that begins to form in our life. When we head to Moab, brother, when, we, when somebody leaves the church and because of whatever reason, can I tell you, there's never a good reason to leave the church. There's never a good reason to become offended and to walk away and to say, you know what, I'm not just, I'm not going to go to church anymore. You know what, there's this hole that's beginning to develop inside someone's spirit. It's a hole of emptiness. It's a hole that will get bigger and bigger and bigger until there is misery. Until there is misery. And that emptiness leads to hopelessness. And that hopelessness leads to there's no reason to even live anymore. Come on, when somebody, when somebody walks away from truth and heads a, a direction they shouldn't go to, there is something inside of them that's beginning to fall apart. And they're becoming like those who are already on the outside in a, in a broken state. Who would ever want to walk into that? The Lord, He doesn't want us to become addicted. The Lord doesn't want you empty. He doesn't want you feeling hopeless and helpless. That's no place for a child of God to feel hopeless and helpless. There's no reason that any of us should feel that way. Why? Because he's the faithful God, remember? He's the faithful God. I can rejoice in whatever state I'm in. I've learned to be content. Why? Because I know the faithful God. I know that he's faithful. And I know that if I stay where I am, everything is going to work out. Everything that I'm facing now, it's going to work for my good. As long as I hold on to the faithful God. Hold on to the faithful God. Don't lose sight. Don't lose hope. Don't think that Moab, don't think that the world is better for you and that the world has something to offer you. The world will pass away. The world will be gone. It'll be, it'll be a forgotten memory. You won't even be able to remember the joy and the pleasure of worldliness when, you're, when it passes away. He doesn't want any to perish. 2 Peter 3 and 9. He doesn't want any to perish. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. And some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
He doesn't want anybody. The world is broken in a broken state. I know that you I know that you you've you've looked on whatever social media or whatever it is and see the devastation that's sweeping our country, our world. It, it, he doesn't want any of those people who are broken and lost right now. They're on the outside dying, broken, miserable. He wants them to come to repentance. Because the world that we, we are living in is fallen. It's a fallen world. In this life, what do we really have? In this life, what do we really have? What hope do we have in this life? What, what fulfillment do we have? What fulfillment do we have in this life? In Lamentations chapter 3, we, we hear the cry of Jeremiah and he writes of, of, of the wrath of God. And uses words to describe what life is like in Moab. What life is like in sin. You can read it for yourself, Jeremiah chapter 3. We're going to read some scriptures here about this. But he, he, he says some very pointed things concerning what, what life is like. He led me into darkness without light. God led me into darkness without light. That's who Jeremiah was talking about. Surely he is turned all day long. He turns his hand. He has made my flesh and skin waste away and has broken my bones. This is a very similar scripture found in Psalm 51 and 8. Speaking of broken bones, you know what it's like on the outside. What it's like to be in, in the midst of sin. It's like having broken bones. He hath set me in dark places. He has walled me about. I cannot escape. I call and cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. There are times that the Lord shuts out our prayer. And you said something about this today, brother. When we pray, sometimes it doesn't get through, right? He, he, he shuts it out. He shuts out our prayer and it's, 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 it's temporary. It's temporary uh, to let the process finish. 
Because sometimes the, the first prayer uh, will forfeit the process if he answered it. And he said, no, i got a greater work that I've got to do. And it's going to take more than just this first cry. We've got to get down to the source. We've got to get to the place uh, oh, where I really get a hold of the issues that's going on. He has made me desolate. Bitterness and broken. He has made me. He has removed peace. My strength and hope is perished from the Lord. I have forgotten what goodness is. This is the picture that Jeremiah is painting for us. He's given us this image He's revealing to us what a life of sin is like. He's revealing to us things that we must get into our spirit and understand why we come here and do what we do. That we have to treat it seriously everything that we do in in this life we've got to treat it seriously because there is a there is a a picture a painting that you may find yourself in a desolate place a place full of darkness that God has sent your way Jeremiah describes perfectly what sin does to us. One sin or a life of sin. Why is there so much misery in the world? Why is there so much misery all around us? So many issues that we have to fight through every day of our life. Anyone walk through life and feel the same heaviness that I'm talking about? Maybe you see, maybe you experience it on your job or wherever you might walk through. You might, you might walk through a, a place, a grocery store, some kind of thing. You might be walking, walking through, uh, walking down the road or something and, and you walk past something that you feel this heaviness. It, it's it's the, the heaviness of sin. It's the heaviness of being on the outside of the covenant. And on the outside of the covenant, there is misery. Why does God allow it? And even send it our way. Why does God allow the darkness and the desolation to come and even send it our way? Why does he do this? I think there's something important that we have to get a hold of that Jeremiah was telling us. A simple answer is we live in a fallen world. Adam and Eve bought, they brought sin and, and death into the world and from the foundation of the world, God had a plan and He had a remedy. He had a covenant. I'm here to tell you today, how can grace and mercy justice abide 
together. The habitation of justice and mercy. I can tell you how that will happen. It's one word. Covenant. Justice and mercy can abide together in covenant. That's what the Lord has given us. He's justified us and given us mercy. What He gave us was a door. And through that door is what Jeremiah started to remember. It's not something those who have never tasted will real, they will recall that. They will not recall this, this door and the experience on the other side of the door. But it's those who have tasted and walked away. They will remember and that is His faithfulness. That's why those who have experienced his blessing from the covenant experience the curse of walking away from it. Why is my life turned upside down? Come on, we, we wonder why, uh, you know, we raise our children. You, you put everything that you can, the word of the Lord in them. And guess what? They come to a point where they make a decision to walk away Oh, and then, and then years later, their life is a wreck. You know why? Because they stepped out of the covenant. They walked away from the covenant. And they're joining the rest of the miserable race that are on the outside of the covenant. God doesn't want them to be miserable. But there's a way that justice and mercy can come together and abide together. And that's if they get into the covenant. You've got to get into the covenant. Read about this in Deuteronomy 28. It gives us the list of all the blessings. All the blessings that we will experience if we obey Him. And then He begins to explain to us all the curses that will overtake us if we disobey Him. If we disobey Him. The world is in darkness there is a false light. The only true light is found in the covenant. Why does God allow the curse and the darkness to chase those who walk away? Remember, we talked about this before. He is the faithful God. And he watches. And his intention is to keep. And if people step into the church, step into the truth, and they're born again, they step into that covenant relationship, guess what? He watches. I'm so thankful today that he was watching over my life because I could have been lost. I could have been dead right now. I could have been somewhere, oh, miserable and out of control and out of my mind. But he said, you know what? I'm going to woo him. I'm going to go to him in the midst of his desperation and brokenness because I want to bring him back into the covenant. I'm watching over his life because I want to bring him back into the covenant.
So he will, he will go after somebody that has left. Because when he sends darkness and he sends desolation and he sends these things, he, it's to do a work. It's to finish the work. And that's why he doesn't, he doesn't go in our immediate cry. He doesn't go to our immediate cry because he's doing a work. He's trying to make the darkness and the misery so overwhelming that it changes us. Stepping out of covenant is not what anybody should do. Lamentations 3, 18, verse 18. And I'm coming to a close here. Verse 20, my soul hath them still... I know I said 18, but okay. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, are you thankful today that his mercies are new every morning? Jeremiah pauses in this moment. Uh, oh, in this picture, there is, there is doom and gloom all around him, but it's, it's in the moment that he remembers the faithfulness of God and the covenant relationship. As long as I'm in the covenant and stay in the covenant, uh, I can have hope. I can have peace I can have joy I can experience that new mercy that's new every morning the Lord is my portion saith my soul therefore will I hope in him the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord it is good for a man uh, he, that he hear that he bear the yoke in his youth, he sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his che his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with report reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever. I understand uh, that if I'm facing something uh, that God's trying to get my attention that he will not cast me off forever his intention is to get me to come back home to get me to step back into that place uh, oh and this isn't just for somebody this isn't for somebody that's walked away from the Lord this is for somebody that's been playing teeter-totter with the world somebody that's been given space to the world somebody that's been looking in the direction of Moab and the Lord is saying no I'm going to let some trouble come your way because I want to let you know what you would experience if you went away. The Lord will allow us to walk through some dark times to get us to understand what life is like without Him. It's empty. It's hopeless. And He doesn't cast us off forever. He doesn't cast us away forever. Forever. 
though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies, for he doth not afflict willingly nor nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the most high to subvert a man in his cause the lord approveth not who is he that saith and it cometh to pass when the lord commanded it not out of the mouth of the most high proceedeth not evil and good Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Everything that he does, everything that every, every trouble and every, every, every problem that, that comes to us that he sins is to get us to turn to him. Oh, because people are in danger of walking away from the covenant. Oh, and that's the place where we can be justified and we can experience his mercy. Is, it's a, it can only be found in the covenant relationship. It's all stand. How can mercy and justice abide together? Covenant. God has God has established a covenant. And the only way that mercy and justice can abide together is with parameters with boundaries if you do this I'll do this if you obey my commandments you'll experience my mercy Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Over and over again, the word of the Lord declares to us, if we keep his covenant, if we keep his commandments, we can, we can stay inside of the covenant and experience his mercy. The faithful God is faithful to his covenant and within his covenant is endless mercy. And he repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them. The Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. Obedience to his commandments will allow us to experience his mercy only found in his covenant. How can mercy and justice both have their way? Covenant. 
That's the only place. I said all that to say this. Before we leave this room with what we've heard, the dangers and the warnings that God has sent His people all day long. And not just His people right here, but the backsliders. Or the people that are actually starting to backslide because backsliding doesn't happen overnight. People let go of some things and begin to walk a different direction. And so God will send a preacher to speak His Word and to give warning. Today is the day that you decide whether you obey and stay or you disregard and walk away. I've tasted the world, I've tasted the Lord, and I'm staying. I'm going to stay in the covenant with Him. Do I have anybody in this place today that wants to make that journey back? The first call I want to make, I want to make it for those who aren't where they should be right now. And they've realized they've let some things get in the way. And they're in danger of stepping out of covenant. This altar's open. If you want to make up your mind, nobody's going to judge you. In fact, why don't we all bow our head and close our eyes? And if this is you, I want you to come. I want you to come with open arms to receive what the Lord has for you. He's got mercy for you. He's got grace for you. He's just trying to get you to come back. He's trying to get, get you to come back home. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to step into a covenant relationship with Him. The first step is to obey. God, I will obey. I will obey. call those that just want to fortify their vessel you want to make it up in your mind I'm going to I'm going to stay in the covenant because I need I need his endless mercy